Hey everybody, you're listening to the High Sessions Hawaii podcast where we talk about everything local and beyond. I'm John Yamasato, your host, and joining me today is Mr. Nick Kawakami. Ah, surprise, surprise! <laughs> and you may say, why Nick why? Kawakami? Yeah. Uh, and the reason is because, I think I can say it now because by the time this airs, Devin and Kyle will be back home. <laughs> Kyle did <laughs> not want to announce it last week because it was like, Oh, I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be here, you know. <laughs> but uh, for security purposes. For security purposes. <laughs> but uh, Devin and Kyle have gone on an Alaskan cruise oh, geez. together. Fancy, fancy. Yeah, and uh, I wasn't. I was invited, so they didn't. They didn't. You know, I, I wasn't. Or anything. <laughs> Nick was not invited. But uh, yeah, so they're they'll be back by the time you hear this. But that's why they're not here today. It's mm. just because they're they're on their cruise doing their thing. And I hope they're having a wonderful time. We're going to hear all about it next week, I'm yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm thankful that yeah. they're gone. Because now I'm here. Yeah, so now Nick, Nick is sitting in as our, as our guest host. So, uh, thank Nick, you for having me. Thank you me. so much for yeah, being here. Yeah, of course. Here. Thanks yeah. for having me. Okay. Before we begin, we begin, let me remind of the listeners of the ways they can stay in touch with the show. There is Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all at High Sessions. You can go to SoundCloud, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts to listen to the podcast. And finally, you can email us at High sessions at yahoo.com. I almost <laughs> forgot what I was going to say there. Touch with the at. show. If you'd like to help the show, get more music on the channel, you can join our Patreon at p a t r e o n dot com, patreon.com, and donate. There, you'll be able to get more in touch with the show, figure out who's going to be on. You can actually come down to the shoots. Mm. Um, we have our very new patron, Jim from Pennsylvania. So, Jim, thank you very much for being a patron. Thank you for being on the show. I hope I, I, hope I don't betray any confidences here, but I, I snuck a look at John's notes, and he yeah. wrote new patron, Jim Pennsylvania, and I thought the guy's name was Jim, Jim Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. <laughs> I was like, wow, what a cool last name. Now, we, we, we try not to share last names on here yeah, so yeah, that yeah, you know yeah, people yeah. have yeah. somewhat of an anonymity. Right? Smart. <laughs> yeah, so Jim from Pennsylvania. All right. <laughs> Although, how many Jim from Pennsylvania are yeah. super into Hawaiian music, I, I guess? Okay. Uh, sponsors, thank you to Kupu Kupu Landscaping, Landscape Architects. You can call Kevin Yokomura, 808-722-8685 for a free estimate on your landscaping needs or go to kupukupulandscaping.com. Uh, again, R- Fort Ruger Market. Um, I did the usual thing, my Rugerlicious. Mm-hmm. And Nick had that as well. We all had Rugerlicious had today. Mm-hmm. And it was very good. Uh, you can find Devin, Kumu94.7 in the mornings, and Kyle at Highlife Clo- yeah, highlifeclothing.com. Jeez, man, my brain is kind of off today. because <laughs> I had none of my normal, my normal crew. But uh, today we have a very special guest, Mr. Dennis Brown, the president and CEO of Woo! Big Brothers Big Sisters Hawaii. Dennis, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So um, we've known each other for a long time, mm-hmm. originally from my work at with the Locations Foundation back in the day, doing our movie days, and then we've done other stuff, right? Quite I feel, a few things, yeah. Our bowling events. Oh yeah, bowling events, and um, and then we did a golf tournament thing this mm-hmm. year with um, our buddy James Chan. Yes, who was uh, who was running that? So um, James was supposed to be here. <coughs> But I'm sure he's out modeling somewhere, <laughs> something like that. But that's okay. Just in the street. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so today we, we wanted to talk about Big Brothers Big Sisters. I, I love this uh, organization, not just because that it's a good cause, but I feel like you guys are really put together well. Like you know, like you feel like uh, when well, at least when we've done events with you that. Things were very organized. It looks like the kids were having a good time, and it, 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 it you see the benefit of of where you're donating your money or, or how the thing's going, and a lot of that comes from the CEO and president. So, for you to be here, um, not only do I want to talk about the the organization as a whole, but how you structured it and how you've kept it uh, going for so long running so smoothly and I, i'm sure in your head you're thinking oh my god if you only knew <laughs> stuff in the background that has gone on. but but from at least from a public perspective which which is all i have because I, I haven't uh, unfortunately have not donated my time yet, other than you know the, the event but um from, from my public perspective seems seems great so why don't we start out with um your background story because you have an interesting story of how you even 
got started in Big Brothers Big Sisters. Probably a unique story to any chapter, right? Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, I believe it is. You know, we have 230 chapters, um, part of Big Brothers Big Sisters of America. Uh, mm. We're one of them. We're independent f- affiliates yep. of a federation. Um, but yeah, I'm just very, very fortunate and blessed uh, to have been the very first child served by our organization 60 years ago. By the way, we're celebrating our 60th anniversary wow. this year. Oh, this year? March 20, uh, 1963. We were founded. Are you the first to be served by the nationwide? No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm not that old. That, that's 120 <laughs> years old. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, see, We've been around that. 60 yeah. years in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, um, you know, my parents divorced when I was four years old, and I was actually born in Nebraska. My mom was from Japan. My dad was in the army during the war, and uh, this is in the early 50s, um, late 40s, and. Uh, he brought her to the to to Nebraska, and where his family was, and uh, I mean they were married for twelve years, and so I did know my dad um, because, like I say, they they divorced uh, when I was four, almost five years old, um, and I was really really close to him, mm. and really really just adored my dad, and uh, of course when you're that age you don't understand why things don't work out, divorce sure. and all that, so. Uh, Anyway, my mom was determined to leave that area. She was, at least in our little town, um, Lincoln, the only Asian person that she knew mm. of back in, you know, 1948, 49. <laughs> uh, and I was born in 54. Um, and so she wanted to go somewhere where there were more, where she could raise her, and I have a younger brother, four years younger, uh, her two Hapa kids, uh, where there would be, you know, more diversity and more people like us because there weren't any back then mm-hmm. in Nebraska. You know, I, I did think about <coughs> that before because I was reading your story before our, mm-hmm. the podcast. Mm-hmm. We have a full Hapa show. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, 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 All know, Japanese <laughs> Hapa too, apparently. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not interesting. Very cool. That's why Devin yeah. and Kyle Give us here. the award. Best <laughs> <laughs> <Just> Hapa podcast. <laughs> so, so she decides, I'm going to just pick up and move to Hawaii. I don't know anybody there, but... Well, it was... Um, so, a couple of factors. One was it had just become a state, 1959. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And um, second was my dad's mom and her husband at the time um, lived here. Oh. And so my mom thought, okay, I do have somebody there. And of course, just like today... Uh, Hawaii is paradise to everyone from Japan, pretty much. Yeah, so she, that was her dream. Even back then, I got to get to Hawaii, you know. Um, so she took us on a train by herself, two young kids from Nebraska to California, got on Pan American Airlines, flew to Honolulu. Get here, the mother and her mother-in-law, my, my grandmother on my dad's side, just tried to discourage her from coming from day one. Mm. and uh, But she came anyway. And she said, you know, it's too expensive here, and, you know, I can't help you, and whatever, whatever. And so, which came anyway, and, uh, you know, I, they didn't actually, she and her husband ended up moving back to the mainland a couple of years later. But in the meantime, uh, that, was, that was at least they did kind of help her, because she, you know, from Japan, English wasn't even her first language. Mm. Um, she, she was very determined, though, and so at least we got settled in low-income housing, Kalakaua Homes, um, as a single mom with two kids. So, you know, once once that happened, then I guess we were kind of on our own after that because housing was taken care of, which was a good thing. Um, and then the whole time, like I said, because I was so attached to my dad and so, you know, that I was kicking and screaming on that train all the way to mm. California. I don't know how she did it, you know, because I just, I, I, I understood that I wasn't going to see him again, I figured, you know. And then we get on the plane, and more so, you know, because back in those days, people didn't just hop right, over right, to right, Hawaii right, from... Right. Sure. Whatever. Southwest. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a big deal. So uh, I was just a really, really troubled kid, and I had, um, and in, in the housing with all the influences, um, you know, she tried her best, but then she also had to work. Um, sure. So, what what um, area were you <clears throat> housing? What area? Yeah. Uh, how do you mean? Uh, where did you live? Like what? Oh, Kalakaua Homes. Oh, Kalakaua. You know, oh, on, yeah, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. On, uh, like Don Quixote. And King Street. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Don Quixote wasn't there. You know, that was a drive-in <laughs> movie theater back then. Oh. That whole area, no high rises, nothing over there. Yeah, wow. yeah. So, um, and then the first first thing that was built was Holiday Mart. 
yeah, which yeah, became yeah. which is what we in in the real estate side. That's what it's still it's called. Still, yeah, 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 yeah. Hard, yeah. So I grew up in that area, yeah, and um, yeah. So she was determined to find help for me because not only was it hard for her, but I was in a problem in school. I was just so mad at the world. I felt like I was been had been betrayed, and so I just. Uh, she went out, and, and to her credit, even though she didn't speak that much English, just sought help wherever she could get it. And so she got a counselor for me, like a therapist, a social worker. I think it was through the old Child and Family Service, which still exists yeah. today. And so he started meeting with me on weekends, and that helped. You know, it was just an hour of kind of talking, letting me vent mostly. And then uh, he became the first social worker hired by the new Big Brothers. It was just Big Brothers to oh, start. Oh, so they started a chapter started in Hong a chapter in Hong wow. Yeah. Family court judge Gerald Corbett saw all these boys coming through his courtroom. And uh, as the label was back then, fatherless boys. And he said, that's the one thing these guys all have in common that I see in mm. my court. None of them have a dad. They don't have a male role model. He saw the pattern. He did. Yeah. And then he said, you know, I've heard of this program on the mainland. We need that here. So he got oh. some local businessmen together. And uh, they started it up, <clears throat> and just so happened, my therapist was the first social worker. I'm sure he might have had other boys that he was working with in it too. And uh, I put an ad in the old Star Bulletin, said, um, looking for men who would be willing to volunteer to be role models. And he got 18 responses pretty fast. And uh, one of them was Henry Sumida, uh, local 28-year-old engineer, civil engineer from Pro City. Oh. And... Uh, just as we still do today, 60 years later, he created a profile of all those eight men, you know, their interests, their personalities, you know, real intensive interview that we still do today. Uh, and then he had the boys who he already knew, had their profile. And our whole goal is we need to make the most appropriate match, but a match that's going to last. Because if it doesn't, if it falls apart in less than a year, there's research that shows we actually could do more damage to the mm. child. Because now, for me, say it didn't work out in three, four months for whatever reason, right? And um, I'm probably going to say, well, I lost my dad. Now, I guess this guy doesn't want to be with me. I, I don't understand right. why. You know, they could explain it to me, but I'm, I was nine years old. It's like negative bias. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, and then it just, just by luck, uh, we happened to be the first that he put together and that actually went out on an outing and, and made it happen. So I think the second one probably happened a couple months later. So it's, <laughs> it was not like... Um, what, was, what was the first outing? <clears> the <throat> first outing. Oh, good question. Oh, yeah. So it was so amazing. We, we don't really encourage this today. We usually say do something casual, like just go to McDonald's or go to a park to or something. <laughs> we, went, we went to this brand new place. No, not quite. Um, Brand new place that had just opened, Sea Life Park. It was oh, called. Oh, <laughs> he took me there, and like you know, we didn't even own a car. I didn't even have you know, our, you know, my mom. She didn't drive or anything. So just to drive out that far, and as we're going out there, he told me, "Oh, you know, this freeway we're going on is called H1." I said, "Yeah." He said, "You know, I helped design this freeway." Oh, yeah, oh. he's a civil engineer, yeah, so really successful. They like to do that. My dad's a civil engineer, or was a civil <laughs> engineer, and we'd be on the Big Island, be like, you know, this bridge. I helped design this. Yeah. Place. Yeah. Like, okay. All right. <laughs> I like to do that. Yeah. But yeah. Didn't I, mean much to me then, but today yeah, I understand. Yeah. 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 When know, I was how, little, how, I was like, what a okay, big man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, now I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's. Now you, now you, as a dad, you're like, oh, now you're doing that to your kids too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I you do see that. this house right here. Yeah, I sold that. House. I do that. Yeah, I do that too. That's why. <laughs> or that. I like, uh, we song, all do a it. A song will come on the radio, and I'll be like. You know, I, I yeah. Oh, yeah. or whatever. Like, of course, of course. <laughs> I don't do my own stuff because they know it's me. But yeah. sometimes I'll, I'm like, oh, you know, I help this guy talk to this guy. <laughs> and get this thing going or whatever. Of you course, know? yeah. You so, you know, as a dad, you try to, yeah, you try to toot your own horn. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. to your own kids. But, yeah. Yeah. They'll appreciate it someday. Well, <laughs> what, what is the, the psychology a little bit? Because <clears throat> I, don't, I don't have any background on that side. And I think to myself, well... I'm a dad, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I basically come home and I, I play video games in my underwear, <laughs> and sometimes I tell them, "Don't do that." <laughs> but that's basically all I do. I'm not, I'm not doing a bunch of stuff, you know. But just having the presence there is, is just makes a difference. I guess for you, in your situation, it was a, 
a little bit of a resentment thing because you felt like something was taken away. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so when you have the the male figure there, what what are they kind of replacing? Yeah, so so what are the um, things that we like to say and and make sure that people understand is. So your first question to me was, what was that first outing? What did we do? And it was a, it was a pretty cool one, Sea Light Park. You know, I never would yeah. have gotten to go there otherwise. Um, but what we emphasize is, especially to the mentors that we have, the big brothers and big sisters, is it's not important what you do. Mm. What's important is the relationship. Because what these kids need is someone who cares about them. So uh, one of our main goals is to help raise or maintain their self-esteem because that's what's been lost you know like for me can't couldn't help even wondering if i was partly to blame for why they split up you know so and then just just feeling like i was worthless and you know i didn't i didn't trust anybody that's the other thing i didn't trust anybody so having someone that you can trust that you 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 become you know really a friend or like a brother or sister it's really mm. that. So, and and you know, you, you say, well, yeah, you're not doing all these activities with your kids. <laughs> I mean, but just your being there and uh, then knowing they can depend on you and that you always it's always in the back of their mind. So, yeah. I give you a pat on the back. Is <laughs> he <laughs> like you need? Yeah. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> like, I just feel like a lot of it. I'm, I'm just a chauffeur at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's but teenagers. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And is, so is activities. it? I mean, from from uh, I don't know from a just an interested point of view, it seems very simple mm-hmm. in that sense. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have this whole organization that has been around for, you know, I- including the the nationwide hundred over a hundred years. Yep. Yep. And in that time, you know, you've had time to study things. You've had, you've, you know, there's been not only for your um, organization, but also I'm sure you know psychologists around the world are studying child behavior and how mm-hmm. to best mm-hmm. support children. Mm-hmm. And even in the small time we were talking before, I, I keep coming back to the fact that you always—it always seems too simple. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. all you, all you, like your guy's main purpose is to just be, or your your main goal is to make sure that the bigs always understand the most important thing is presence. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you just not, not about what you do, not about you know trying to fulfill a void, trying mm-hmm. to get too fancy mm-hmm. or you know right. be amateur yeah, psychologist. It's different than make a wish, right? You you're you're not you're you're being a you're being a presence. You're not trying to like wow somebody, right? Right? Exactly. And and it's it's a consistent presence is the other thing because yeah. that consistency is very important. That's the other thing we emphasize. But mm. yeah, you're right. It's um, you know. Very uh, simple model. It's very, very basic. There was a point in time when we used to say, oh, anybody can do it, you know, and, and I think that's true to some degree if they're, if they're willing to commit, though, yeah. to it. Because we asked for a one-year commitment. Again, the research shows if it doesn't go at least one year, not only is it less effective if, or impactful, you might even be damaging because, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, so that's one of the things that, that we look for. And, and again, yeah, it's not trying to replace. No one can ever replace the child's biological parent, you know, and we don't even pretend to do that. In fact, when the language has changed, like I said, when I was the the first little brother, um, we were labeled fatherless boys. I mean, I I went around, people would actually say, I hated that, you know, people would would actually Mm. say that to me. And Mm. they were well-meaning, like, you know, we'd be at our church and women would come up to me, you know, and say, oh, you poor thing, you're fatherless, you know. I mean, like, I, I guess they're trying to sympathize with me or something but it just made me feel even worse label you know? you yeah label yeah, yeah. and then the second part of it uh, other label we don't use anymore is role model mm. so back then the recruitment uh, language was actually we're looking for role models you need to be mm. a role model for this child you know you but it's it's not even that it's really more of being a friend you know being a friend um, who's who's older and like a brother you know and you don't necessarily expect your sibling to be your role model, they might become that in your eyes, but that's not their job, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, yeah. So the organization, as it stands today, mm-hmm. um, is it? Are you folks uh, in need of more volunteers? Or I'm sh- pretty sure an excess of volunteers is never a bad thing. But mm-hmm. how's it going now? Yeah. So really, really interesting. What happened during COVID? We actually. Oh yeah. You know, when I first started. 
uh, and I came in brand new, and the staff was telling me, okay, here's, here's our biggest issue. You know, we don't have enough men. We have all these boys, 100 boys on the wait list and not, not enough mentors, you know. And so some of them are waiting over a year to get matched, and a lot of them just drop out. The parent says, I'm tired. I'm not going to wait any longer, you know. And so anyway, as, as I'm dealing with this problem my first year, so I think, wow, wouldn't it be great someday if we had more volunteers waiting than kids, <laughs> you know? And that happened during COVID. Really? Yeah. So I, you might have read about, you know, um, during COVID, a lot of people, for whatever reason, maybe they lost their job or whatever, weren't giving as much money right away during that time as they had sure. necessarily. But they were looking for ways to volunteer to help mm. families in particular that were less fortunate, right? And so we had that. It actually happened. We had more men waiting. And we always have women waiting because there are not as many girls that apply for our program or moms mm -hmm. that apply for their girls. So um, it happened for a while, a brief while. The, the, the other reason that happened is because the number of boys we had um, enrolling was went down because these single parents, mostly moms, they were struggling. They had other priorities during COVID. They didn't oh. have money. They didn't have food. They didn't have, you know, resources. They, they, their kids couldn't go to school. They were dealing with that at home. They had so many other priorities, so they stopped applying for a big brother. That was low on the priority list yeah, of sure, sure, survival, sure. right? So we, we pivoted like most nonprofit organizations did, and we started providing some of those services too. So we did food drives. We had people um, donate. Uh, money. Our board members, like James Chan, was a good example of that. Who, who actually um, went out and bought shopping and bought groceries and mm. gave them to us, and we delivered them to families. So doing that kind of thing. But um, now it's gotten kind of back to normal. It took a couple of years though. So I think only last year we started having more enrollments of boys. Um, yeah. And then the other way we're dealing with that is we understand that. This model is almost 120 years old nationwide and 60 yeah. years in Hawaii. And as you say, it's it's simple, um, but the world has changed, right, a lot in, in 60 years, even in 100 years. Um, so that kids today have a lot more activities on their own. And so even when we match two people, they have a tough time. It's sort of like, okay, when, how about this Saturday morning? Oh, no, I have soccer practice or whatever, what, you know. And oh. so um, it's, it's sometimes, and going back to what um, Nick said earlier about it being a simple model, sometimes it's almost too simple. So most of our mentors, especially the males, because I think the women have a different way of bonding, so it's, it's different. With the men, a lot of the men will say, you know, I don't think I'm having any impact here. You know, it's just, I just hang out, we just hang out, and I don't see any change in him. He hardly even talks to me. That's how I was. I didn't even talk to Henry, hardly. He'd ask me questions, but, you know, but, you know, when I got home, I was just like, wow, what a great day that was, you know, but I couldn't, mm. I couldn't communicate that to him. Yeah. And um, so anyway, they feel like that sometimes, and they get discouraged, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but because... The model, and I think there's always going to be, like our national organization now, we have a new CEO. He's in his second year, um, and he's the first African-American CEO in our whole 120-year history for a program or a, a mission that serves mostly on the mainland, African-American children. Mm -hmm. um, and um, he he's pushing that we, we need to kind of expand the way we deliver services and help children who have, as we like to say now, face serious trauma in their lives. So dis divorce is one of those mm. considered serious trauma, neglect, um, suicide of one apparent, that kind of thing, domestic abuse, do domestic violence. So there's a whole range of things. Um, but so we can reach more children. And so uh, I was mentioning to you earlier about well, our after-school program that we started so that we can reach children who, whose parents, for whatever reason, can't commit to this program. Because it's a commitment on the parents' part, too, because they have to have the child ready when the mentor's ready. They have to be a part of it. It's a partnership, a three-way, mm -hmm. plus our case manager. So four people are involved, and, you know, we... Well, now the world is so different because a lot of things are virtual, too, <clears throat> right? Yes, yes, yes. So... Um, I was thinking about it as you were talking. Um, I, I hate to bring this up because Kyle and Devin hate it when I talk about video games. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I play I play a game called Fortnite mm -hmm. online with some buddies, mm -hmm. and it it started off as it was one friend, and he had a group of friends that play, mm -hmm. 
and then I jumped into this group. So I, I knew none of them except the one guy, you know. But we've been playing for years now, and you're sitting there playing your game and uh, talking. You so you mm-hmm. talk story. You get to. Mm-hmm. Know, I've gotten to know all these guys over the. Mm-hmm. the couple, we've mm-hmm. met up in person now. We've all met each other, and so uh, I was thinking there's there could be virtual ways to connect yeah. with people too. But also, mm-hmm. uh, that's the positive side. On the negative side, I mean. My my kids, if you left them with an iPad, they would just sit there and do that all day. You Mine know? too. And, and <laughs> even um, <clears throat> kids that are you know don't have much, a lot of them still have a. They somehow get a cell phone mm-hmm. or an iPad or something, mm-hmm. and they're just glued to that thing. So mm-hmm. they may not be interested in leaving because they have their mm-hmm. entertainment in their pocket, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So is has that been a factor in in yeah getting, so getting them participation? Another another interesting thing about um, COVID was we couldn't meet in person anymore. All of a sudden, no more, right? Yeah. So we did everything we could to help every one of our matches. You know, it's about 250 of them at the time. Um, be able to communicate virtually, you know, whether it was, you know, e- even if it was just email or texting or, you know, FaceTime. Some of them had access to, um, you know, internet. Some didn't. Mm-hmm. So we did everything we could to make sure they all were able to at least meet virtually. And the amazing thing at the beginning, they were meeting way more often because we just asked them to meet once a week or um, two times a month minimum for four to six hours at a time. So like a half day on a Saturday every other weekend, you know, because they're both busy, right? Um, now all of a sudden they're meeting four or five times a week because they just they find this way to just communicate. You know they can't see each other in person, so it was like. But after about a couple months of that, it started to get old, and and mm. you know so we really couldn't get them back together in person soon enough. And finally in uh, November of 2021, I think is when we finally let them start safely. Like the child would sit in the back of the car and yeah. you know, that kind of stuff, wear masks. Oh yeah. Only oh, do yeah, out, only do outdoor activities. Yeah. <laughs> All so, this COVID stuff. Yeah. But but the beauty of that was we learned, you know, that hey, we we never told them to communicate that way. And mm. we you know we always tell them go on outings, do something, you know, even if it's just take a walk or whatever. Um, But then we realized, hey, this is a way to get them to meet in between those outings. Because, again, there's research that shows if they stay connected between the physical in-person outings, the impact is so much greater. And so we encourage that. Now, Now we say even if you're not meeting for another week or two, at least do a phone call. Say hello. Check out just so that you're checking on them, and it makes a huge difference because the child now, now knows this guy. Do you have them. to log those contacts in there? No, no. we. Um, but we, our case managers, check in with the mentor, the child, and the parent on a regular basis. In the first year, it's every month. It's almost irritating for them, I think. Mm. But a, a, a major reason for that is child safety. Yeah, because I was we say, have to be sure. Yeah, because you know you have this uh, <coughs> adult exactly. communicating with a child, right, and. They're texting back and forth and stuff. Right, we kind of right. want to know what's going on. I yeah. And even when they go on an outing, nobody's with them. Yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. follow them. We don't stay with you know. I and mean, that's why the screening must be so important. Well, it is, but but you know, there's never yet been devised a hundred percent foolproof screening. We have the most rigorous of pretty much any organization because, and we're one of the few that allows this child and parent to go if you go to schools or if you go to the ymca yeah they don't allow an adult to even take the child to the bathroom alone there has to be on the supervised yeah. yeah so it's and it's understandable but so for us our training is ongoing and it's very specialized because each case is different because we have the profile of the child what their needs are so we don't just do a, a mass training because there's some things we cover with everybody but um it's ongoing with the match support specialist finding out how's it going and how can we, you know, because she's in communication with the parent, guardian, even the therapist sometimes to find out, you know, is this helping and what could, how, what should we tell the mentor to do to, to help? And it's subtle things. It's not, they're not professionals, right? They're just right. volunteers. So, um, yeah, so that becomes, uh, you know, uh, not just a commitment, but a way for us to keep that communication going and, and making sure that it, everything's safe. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot. I mean, speaking from experiences mm-hmm. I shared with you, my wife was a big. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's the that communication is not only important 
just you know mere safety issues and mm-hmm. stuff but also like there's three people I, well, I said there's there was three people in that relationship mm-hmm. there was the mm-hmm. child or four people sorry there was the child there was the child's guardian mm-hmm. there was the big mm-hmm. and then there was the caseworker mm-hmm. and all those four people like it's almost uh, the everybody supports each other in yeah. some specific yeah. way whether right. it's you know the child being supported obviously by the big but then like the big is being supported by the caseworker mm-hmm. the parent is being supported by the big who's you know helping to yeah. help raise that person so it's it's got to be i mean it's weird how like you set up something so like i keep saying the word <laughs> simple and i don't mean to like diminish what mm-hmm. the, no, what the process is but it's so great that it's so simple because mm-hmm. it's so easy to get lost in what should I do with the kid? Mm-hmm. Or how am I going exactly. to find time? I'm not going to, I'm going to run out of ideas. Yeah. Or what am I going to yeah. say? Or, yeah. you know, what is, is somebody going to be judging me for, you know, who I have? Am I going to be able to, you know, and so you get, it, it's very easy to get lost mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. your head. And thankfully, because of that support each way, you know, in all those different directions, plus you, you guys try to keep it so simple that mm-hmm. it's, it ends up being fairly natural in, if if there's obviously motivation for everybody to to do this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that whole process ends up becoming very natural and it becomes less complicated in that way. Yeah, it's uh, it is it's 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 really be- beautiful and uh, you know to see how that bond grows and when we have we start as young as five and a half six years old and we'll support them all the way till even age 25 if they want to be supported usually by the time they graduate high school they're ready to be friends on their own you know but if they want and then they can still take advantage of we have a um, group activity we have one coming up this saturday as a matter of fact um, ohana picnic day type of um, activity so we invite all of them including all the ones on our waiting list because we want to at least serve them so um you know, we have those activities too. So then they get to interact with each other and meet each other and talk to each other too sometimes. And we also do parent support group. We're just starting and we found that out during COVID. We didn't have that before. We had the bigs support group for the volunteers because a lot of them, I mean, there are all kinds of things that, that happen. You know, it's like I said, we, our case manager does their best to keep giving pep talks to them. Don't worry, don't worry, even if he doesn't talk to you. What he tells me is he enjoys going out with you. You know, they, they've got to tell him that side of it and everything. Um, so, but this way the, they can talk to each other and say, oh, yeah, you know, sometimes when I go to pick him up, the mom's not ready, you know, and yeah, that kind yeah, of stuff yeah, yeah, or yeah. this kind of thing, you know. Um, other times, and others say, oh, wow, well, well, my guardian, she's always on it, you know, yeah. she's there and she's calling me, texting and, and all of this. So, um, yeah, so they can kind of share experiences and then um, advice give each other yeah, advice I was gonna think, right because if you're doing so so just so that i'm i'm <coughs> clear based on what you said mm-hmm. so that the minimum that you would commitment would be twice a month mm-hmm. four to six hour outings mm-hmm. but you recommend a once a week well in between whatever the in between some of them meet every week but every you week. know one um in between okay. to at least yeah 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 you know th- virtually i'm just trying to think like if you do once a week that's 52 outings i don't know what i would do <laughs> well, luckily they have case and managers to give you ideas and events that's, put yeah, together, and we have that, events yeah. that that are not only f- because it is hard to come up with something to do every time, but it's also free for them, yeah. you know. So we'll do and it like, doesn't have to be anything complicated. A lot no. of the times, Rachel, my my wife, would just they would just go to the beach, yep. and just have lunch and yep. hang out, and for you know that, and then that would be it. It's not like you have to like you know bring a goodie bag and have balloons (laughs) (laughs) yeah because you know by then they become real yeah you're you're actually good relationship yeah the relationship is you don't really care what you do it's being with the person yeah yeah so i see yeah i have a um so and just going back into i um kind of the motivation of becoming of putting from not as a from the big side but from the the parent side so do you know why your mom signed you up for kind of a mentorship because it wasn't big initially it wasn't big brothers big sisters initially Mm -hmm. right no do you know why she did that because to me it's kind of an amazing story considering the era that that was all happening um you know that there's not a lot of i mean i you know as from what i understand there's there wasn't a lot of huge social programs that were Mm. available at the time it was probably maybe even looked down upon that she couldn't 
handle raising her kid, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit in that kind of culture. Do you know what what the reason why or her thought process was? Yeah, I'm I'm not exactly 100% sure, but what I know she's she had told me before she passed away was um that I was just so unhappy and she wanted she couldn't and 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 I blamed her. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't the one who could you know, take that away, and I'm I, I, I'm I'm guessing too that maybe um, at school because I was always kind of acting out there, um, they might have recommended to her, you know, <laughs> to find find something because I was one of those troubled kids. You know, I, I never did anything really outlandishly bad, but I was just you know one of those yeah. Do you apply it's any of disruptors? Those, do you apply any of those thoughts to like you know you're talking about how <clears throat> during COVID a lot of the parents would re- like take their kids out of mm. contention for that because for whatever reason. Mm-mm. Do you guys do you apply kind of that any of those thoughts to the to their situations when you're doing the re- outreach and stuff? You mean in terms of like um, reaching out to, to parents saying we have this service? Oh available yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. It's um yeah th- that's what we really need to do. We need to focus on that more. I think on on explaining. Uh, how it could could help them because we in the past have had uh, referrals. So mm-hmm. school counselors are one of the you know oh, um, yeah, the yeah, best yeah, referrals because they know what's right. going on with all the kids, right? Just like me, and it might have been that she told, although there was no big brothers yet. Um, so we do that, but I think it's it's something that if we had the marketing dollars, you know, we'd want to <laughs> we want to do that. So um, now that COVID's over, we're able to get out in front of and speak to groups more. Like in, at schools, they'll have, um, you know, parents can, after school, we can do presentations. We, we used to do that a lot, and then during COVID, we stopped. So Well, well, I'm, I'm assuming COVID really hit the pocketbooks because everyone mm-hmm. kind of pulled back for a bit. Mm-hmm. But have the donations been coming back, and have you been seeing, you know, sponsors and things coming back to help you guys out yeah i think well the golf tournament was a, a huge yeah. uh, example <laughs> that was our first one and you know we sold it out we had a wait list of about eight more sponsors who wanted to oh, come well, in nice. <laughs> yeah and uh it wasn't it wasn't cheap you know our, our top level was you ten thousand dollars yeah right. we had that too <laughs> <laughs> play, yeah play that my, was a draw my, my long set <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh yeah, no, it's 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 been coming back. A lot of the the corporate community has been generous. Um, you know, private companies um, giving us donations, um, and of course, we were very fortunate. It was in the news a lot. I know a lot of people know that we were one of the recipients of a Mackenzie Scott mm-hmm, gift. I saw um, that uh, last year, right? Last year, yeah, about a year ago in in May last year. So so that helped a lot. And of course, you know, we're a business, so we were able to qualify for PPP loans and employee retention credit and that kind of thing. So we survived. The challenge now is is this year and, and going forward again because now things have settled down. So it's not top of mind for everybody anymore. Oh, the nonprofits need help, mm-hmm. you know. So we're kind of like yeah, rebuilding. And so so as, the, as a CEO, I mean, where do you um, – I mean, you're, you're probably spread super thin, mm. but how do you, how do you manage – an organization like this so that you have you know time to to get funds service the clients quote-unquote clients which Mm -hmm. are the the kids Mm -hmm. you know and the mentors and stuff Mm -hmm. like that um is it what what is it a normal day look like for you (laughs) well first of all i meant to thank you for your opening and and the kind words you said about it seems like we're pretty well run and, and yeah, organized yeah. <laughs> and that kind of thing um you know and and like you said yeah if only you could see behind the curtain but <laughs> but it's it no seriously that is a tribute to the team we have uh you know all the the people that i'm fortunate to to have to work with we have about 25 statewide okay um, staff. Fif- 15 on oahu yeah and um you know they they do a great job. So of course we're we're kind of specialized, like most not profit or not for profit organizations. We're split into what we call the mission, you know, program services, and that's where you have people who actually have their degrees in social work or you know case mm-hmm. management, um, and they're so dedicated and committed to that. Um, so they you know handle all of everything that goes along with that. And then we have our operations side, which is fundraising, you know, finance and marketing and all the other non-direct service things that most um, foundations and grantors don't care to fund. <laughs> you know, Mackenzie mm. Scott was one of the big exceptions to that where he said, this is a one-time $1.9 million gift. 
totally unrestricted, and you don't even have to tell us how you use the money. It's yours. We, we trust you. She calls mm -hmm. it trust philanthropy. Um, so it's it's really about the structure and the organization and, and who does what. But because we're small, and I think this is true of all nonprofit organizations, even though you have that kind of division between direct services and indirect operations and mission or program, um, we're a team. We have to work together as a team. So we have a fundraising event like the golf tournament. It's all hands. Everybody's there. You know, if you're a social worker, it doesn't matter. Um, and uh, and at the same, by the same token, too, we try to have our support team, which is much smaller, um, be at events with the program team, too, like that upcoming, uh, we have a Ohana Day in Waianae this Saturday. Um, mostly all the staff like to be there. For uh, is the Ohana Day sponsored by Big Brothers Big Sisters? Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. So I that's like considered the, direct service, so grant money can be used for that. Yeah, it's a, it's a what we call match activity. Because I know sometimes you have like, um, <clears throat> well, the the bowling is you guys too, right? Yeah, was, was you bowling guys. is a fundraiser that we yeah. put on. But yeah. then for our movie day, was mm -hmm. we were putting it on for right, you guys. Right, so do, right. you, do you have others that are like that too events that we have a few um events like that yeah every now and again um that's a really great one though because uh, as you guys were talking about before we know it costs about twenty five hundred dollars to rent out a theater mm -hmm. um and uh the way they have to do it is actually um you know make a donation to us and then we pay oh the i see. theater so that you know otherwise if they're just Paying the theater, like like when you did, you didn't get a tax write off for doing that, right? No. It's a business <laughs> expense, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe, but, maybe, but a little different than yeah. a nonprofit, yeah, I mean, yeah, 100 yeah, yeah. percent tax deductible donation, right? So, um, so we do, yeah, we have here and there. We have um, a lot of people who want to, and and they'll sponsor activities too, like yoga classes or art, you know, um, painting classes oh, for the good. for the matches and things. Especially during COVID, we did a lot of those virtually. Yeah. Because it was uh, oh, virtually. It yeah, could be done, yeah. yeah. And people were itching to do something if they couldn't get out, at least, you know, have an activity. So we tried to make it we even did a virtual tour of the USS Missouri. Which I oh. wasn't sure how that was gonna go because I've been on the actual in person yeah, sure. tour a couple of times. It was great. It was amazing, and they loved it. Right. And, and and I don't know if it's you know a function of everybody was just dying for something to <laughs> to do. Uh, that that's why it was so successful. But I think, but I loved it. I thought it was really well done. It was yeah, the well, tour guide and everything. And, and going back a little bit mm -hmm. to the the leadership side of it, mm -hmm. though, what from your past do you think has been so? I mean, as as a former little. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What was what has been the most helpful thing to get to as the leader now of this company or uh, this foundation? Yeah, so uh, I think there there are some things, and that's why I went into the field I'm in to begin with. Honestly, when I tell my story, and and I know a lot of other former little brothers who are in careers, you know, in management at Hawaiian Electric or wherever, um, and they didn't choose to go into nonprofit just because they were served by one. But in my case, um, I, I was inspired to do it. So I didn't think I'd work at Big Brothers Big Sisters. That wasn't a goal or even a, I thought was a possibility necessarily, but I ended up here. But um, yeah, to answer your question, uh, it's, let's see, what was your exact question again? No, I'm saying, like what, what from your past, like, you know how some people will say like, oh, oh yeah. well, I can point to one particular right, thing right, right, that right, now right. I yeah. So um, I think in the early years, I've been I'm going on 25 years. So September will be 25 years. I think in the early years there was a lot more of that. So when I first came in, and you know, a new CEO, it's always dangerous because now you want to make all these changes, right? And the staff <laughs> is like, what? You know. So um, but there are there are some things like when I first started. Um, and again, it's 25 years ago, 1998. Uh, we hardly had any photographs of the kids, you know, no pictures. And that, that was not allowed. And it was for the safety of the children. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I remember when I was the first little brother, it was a big deal because, you know, the family court, head of family court. And so he got the governor involved to, to declare, do a proclamation. We now have big brothers in Hawaii, you know, part of this big national organization. There were a lot fewer nonprofits in those days too. Yeah. And so I, they took me to Anne Henry, 
and the social worker, Ed Miyamoto, to the governor's office, sat me on his desk, star bulletin photographer, taking pictures of, of us. You know, the, this is little Dennis, and we never use last names. Even today, we don't do that. And we asked for permission, of course, from the Guardian before we can show pictures. Um, and I'll never forget the photographer positioning me on the governor's desk so that he could never see my face. So only see the back of my head, mm. and because it would be like, and I didn't understand nine years old, I, I, I don't, you know. So I'm sitting there, and it, it would be like some pretty awkward positions because I'd, I'd sit <laughs> here, and he'd governor would be there, and they they twist my body so the back of my head, so I couldn't see my face, and it was so so strict that I mean he would he would say, oh wait a minute, wait a minute, I, I can still catch a little of his face, turn his head, body more. So anyway, that always I always remembered that. I, don't, I said, you know, th maybe this is something that to be ashamed of mm. and so m maybe I shouldn't be so I, I didn't want anybody to know I didn't tell people like at school nobody knew until one day another little brother raised his hand and told the six, this is when I was sixth grade teacher did you know that Dennis was the very first I mean and I was like mortified because I, <laughs> I, I, I worked so hard not to everybody because I thought there was something not good about it but it was it was for my own safety right sort of like you know, the um, runaway children and things like that. They try to protect them, right, or yeah. Amber Alert kind of yeah. thing. Anyway, um, so my first day, actually, in the job, we were talking, we had a staff meeting, and was, somehow that subject came up about pictures, and I, so I told this story to let them know, you know how that made me feel. And I said, I think we should show pictures. We don't have to put the names on, but, you know, there's, we should be proud that we're serving these kids. So... Ever since then, we do. Oh, that's <laughs> a we, cool story. Yeah, videos and all. So a, a few things like that, that that I can relate to. I think now, 25 years later, there's been so much change that what happened to me is not always relatable, you know, to, to today's world. Like, we had no computers. We had no virtual. We right. Had, right. You know, so it's very, very different. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they're, they're yeah, certainly, you know, in my heart and and everything yeah so i yeah. think i think that way yeah, yeah. and uh one of the things that even our national organization in this we have a new strategic plan with the new ceo that i brought up um in a meeting a couple months ago at the national office in tampa uh, because i was asked to to help put that strategic plan together um they said we need to improve the volunteer experience maybe we're having a hard time recruiting volunteers because the experience is you know is lacking and then they had done a lot of focus groups and a lot of research and they came up with you know and i raised my hand i said yeah i agree with that but i think can we also look at how we improve the family experience because what i the way i put it was i because my wife's a elementary school teacher and she used to teach uh, special ed and then the gifted and talented program so they had a pullout they would take the child out of regular class mm -hmm. and they would go for special ed. Right, 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 right. And so I said, you know, I see our program is kind of like that. We pull the child out from the family mm -hmm. and they go out and they have a great time with their big brother or big sister. And then they take them back and they go right back in the family. The family hasn't changed. The dysfunctions, all the issues that are going on are still there. So since COVID, because we kind of had to, um, interact more with the families. That's what we do now. We we, we we see ourselves serving the entire family, so we do whatever we can. Um, and we're not trying to take the place of child and family service or PACT, but wherever we can, you know, add value. Um, like when we do locations movie day, it's the whole family. Which, it's so nice, they're generous enough to, to allow that, you know. Of course, the theaters are big, so, <laughs> but, but... Yeah, you, know. you got to get Compass on board now. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, so I no longer work at locations, but I, I have nothing bad to say about the locations mm -hmm. foundation. The foundation it, it's a very is very good. Yeah. Well, and locations. Yeah, so I, have nothing, I have nothing bad to say about locations either. Kidding. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the locations foundation does a lot of good work, and yeah. they do, yeah, many many events over the year. It's amazing right. how much they do. Right. Yeah. We, yeah. We did a few other things, like you said, with them too. I think we did some cleanups, stream cleanups, and. But I always, there. like I said, I always enjoyed working with you guys because whenever mm. we do events with you, it's like. Everything was always <laughs> organized and easy. I don't know. And my, my job was never that hard because I was always the, the videographer, photographer. Mm, remember that. Photos yeah. and stuff like that. But you, you can see, you know, like there's certain mm, yeah. nonprofits that you, you roll in and it's like, where, where are all the kids? Oh, some of them couldn't make it or, you know, whatever. Mm. And it's, it's confusion and whatnot. But mm. you guys always seem to be uh, mm. on top of it. So, so yeah. yeah. Well, it's great to have a good team that they just love what they do. And yeah. They, yeah. And, and you choose to be a very um, public front CEO. Mm. 
I see at all the events, mm-hmm. you're shaking everybody's hand, you're talking to everyone. Is that a conscious decision? You're uh, here on the podcast. Yeah, I never turned down an opportunity. <laughs> but uh, no, it's, um, yeah, I've learned over the years uh, and become very comfortable with it. And, you know, in, in the beginning, I, I didn't know much about marketing or anything. So I didn't uh, feel that, I, I honestly didn't think it was that important that, that or that I wasn't that important. And, and I had to really, in taking more trainings and, and hearing from people, understand that it's really not even just about me, right? It's it's about the, being the face of the organization. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and so, um, well, and, I, and huge, I got to where I enjoyed it. It was a huge change from when it you were six years old change. and you were yeah. saying, I don't want to tell anybody about <laughs> exactly, this. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, of course, you know, the, the fact that I have the story um, helps yeah. a lot, too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, last question before, well, second to last question, mm-hmm. but, um, so how was it being Hapa back then? Cause oh, I've, <laughs> I've grown question, up, everyone used to you know. tell me like, oh, Hapa is, being Hapa is great and all this mm-hmm, stuff. And then I saw mm-hmm. some TikTok where it's like certain places Hapa's not desired, you know? Yeah. It's unfortunate. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm like, wow. Oh. I always thought Where's I was that? like. Don Quixote? Yeah. Yeah. You're not, you know. Yeah. Um, well, for me, uh, in in elementary school, uh, it was actually kind of hard. There weren't that many mm, back, back then. then. Yeah, yeah. And I, because maybe you have a number of factors, but because my mom is from Japan and she's who I lived with, and you know, I kind of being brought here was now away. From, although I went to kindergarten on the mainland, you know, so, yeah. And no one else looked like me there. It was the opposite, right? It was all Caucasian. Yeah. Um, but I blended in really fine. My dad was Caucasian, you know, and so, uh, and, and that was all his family we were living with back then. Um, then I come here, and I identified so strongly with being Japanese mm. that I thought, I thought I actually looked Japanese to everybody. You know, maybe I got that from being up there where I knew I was a little bit right, different. Right, right, But no, here, all the Japanese kids, they to say pretty much, didn't take to me. You know, so I had, I was bullied and I was teased. And so that was another reason my mom sought help for me, I think. And yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, not, it wasn't, it wasn't extreme, like, you know, you get into too many fights or anything, but it was just, it was, it was, I was different. And, you huh. know, I didn't even know, I didn't even know that. I didn't know that part of even history in Hawaii yeah. in that sense because because there weren't that many. Our generation, I feel like everyone was like, "Oh, you're Hapa. Oh, you're so handsome." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, as, maybe that's just me. Right, maybe right, just people no. are telling me. I'm that's what I always but. said, you know. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, I thought, I thought, oh, and then I found out maybe it's just my mom was telling me that, yeah. <laughs> to, like, you know, yeah. boost up my self esteem. Yeah, Who's your, yeah, your yeah, wife? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. our yeah. wives are telling us that. <laughs> and, and I've seen it change over the generations. Like even by the time I got to high school. It was starting to change, you know, that yeah. same thing. Yeah. Oh, you know, well, my basketball goes, well, someday you're going to be good looking, you know, you hop on. And I was yeah. already in high school. I thought, well, when's that going to happen? Cause <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe your basketball coach was like, ooh, you to be tall. <laughs> Holly said it'll kick in. But yeah, so it, yeah, it's, it's different. It, it was, but yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting. And I know, yeah, it's kind of, it, it was very interesting. Even, even when I went to, um, cause, uh, I got, I forget how, but I got involved in the YMCA for a little while and went on one of the camps with them. And that, that was kind of rough. Well, and, and overall, too, it's, it's your life has got to be uh, is, is got to be pretty unique in the sense that because your job so overlaps with your child, mm. childhood and all yeah, that stuff true, that, yeah. that you almost relive so many memories over mm. and over again, <laughs> whether it's telling us here on the podcast or mm. how you lead or whatever that mm-hmm. is. And um, to, to me, that's that's the most fascinating thing about mm. what you're doing is that you know I'm not working, with, I'm not doing things that I did. I'm not climbing a jungle gym for. <laughs> although I wish I was, that yeah, would be a yeah, great yeah. job. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. Um, or whatever you know, whatever uh, important event was in my childhood. But you're actually using. You're actually have the gift of being able to not only have that experience and be able to speak from that experience, but also take even the hardest parts of that experience mm-hmm. and now turn it into something that's wonderful. very insightful I, I i've wondered about that myself and it's but it's really true and yeah. what's interesting for me too is like i said um september will be 25 years mm-hmm. 
when I first started, I didn't think I was going to last a month. You know, when I <laughs> found what all what's involved in being a CEO, like you were saying, all yeah. the different duties and what a day looks like and all that. And and then secondly, I, I had never worked at a job in my life more than seven years, which was my previous job to this. Most of the other was just one year. I was just moving all over the place, mm-hmm. which back then was really bad. Today, it's kind of common, but back right. then, it was really bad. And so I gave myself, I said, maximum 10 years. But what I've found, I, I just haven't been able to leave for that reason because it's passion for me. And and I feel really, really it is a gift. It's a gift to be able to give back to, yeah. to you know, the organization that helped me in whatever way I can. Oh, and yeah. so many people can go to their childhood and think of only the negative stuff and not want to, <laughs> you know, and take no, those as, you know, like... For both of you, wasn't music a part of your yeah. growing up? I guess. I, mean, yeah. I started yeah. kind of late though, like 13, 14. You did? Oh, Yeah, okay. so, so yeah. it wasn't but still. part of my young, younger days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah for I, my dad was a musician. Right, so yeah, right, totally. Right. But I mean, yeah. <clears throat> you know, it wasn't the, but that, but my, my point is just like the, the strength that yours has mm. comes from, and I don't, I mean, I don't mean to say negative in the sense mm. like, but it is, it, you had a hard childhood mm-hmm. and most people would bury that. Most people would mm. go through therapy to try to work yeah. through it. You're like embracing it 100% well, to say like, this is who I get was and this is why what I'm doing is so yeah, important. Yeah, I know. And I, I question myself because you know who who sees this as a negative or saw it was my mom. Mm. My mom said, aren't you ashamed? Aren't you yeah. embarrassed to be telling? Because you know, my story's been in midweek like three times. Oh, yeah, yeah, my, yeah. And she just... You know, and so I was disappointed at that. I thought, wow, she's not proud of me at all, you know, mm-hmm. for what I'm doing. But she, I know she didn't really understand it it's all probably either. Probably some shame for her too. Because yeah, she, yeah, yeah. Was responsible and for and it. you know, I tried never to blame her. In oh, fact, I, yeah. I my story is usually how fortunate I was to have a, a mom who went out and exactly. did this. You know, yeah. um, but I found out from her friends because she was one of those people who just volunteered all over the place her mm-hmm. whole life. And um, and I went to a, a child and family service celebration of, of volunteers, and she was one of the ones being honored. And cool. um, they told me, they said, don't think that she's not proud. She really is. Oh, yeah. She has a scrapbook you haven't even seen with newspaper. Yeah. So, and then yeah, when she cool. passed away and I cleaned up, I found it. That's there, cool. Yeah. But she always you know, says, you know, are you sure you want to do She didn't yeah. say it like, you know. That's very Japanese of her. Yeah. Very. <laughs> She's very, trying to protect you, that's why. Very, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. that's it. And I didn't get it at first, you yeah. know, because yeah. I was just so wrapped up in, how can she not yeah. be yeah. proud of me? You know, this is like my biggest accomplishment. That's cool. Become, so, uh-huh. yeah, but that's that's interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. Okay, we have one more question. Mm-hmm. Um, has nothing to do with Big Brothers, Big Sisters, because we technically are a music channel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we asked this of all our guests. Uh if you were stranded on a desert island for the rest of eternity <laughs> and you had to take three albums with you to listen to, what oh, what boy. music would Dennis Brown take with him? <laughs> and you, you don't have to say the best of Dennis Brown, the reggae artist, because I already know that. <laughs> so besides that one. <laughs> oh, man, I have so many. That's hard. Pick three. Um... There was there was one on on one of your podcasts that was mentioned the um, and now I'm drawing a blank on it but um, Sunday Monoa oh yeah okay because I I grew up uh, yeah you're right at that time that. Peter yeah, Moon yes that time Peter Moon is it up here oh. um, no is it oh it is there okay Crackseed yeah Crackseed yeah and you can say Pure Heart too if you're drawing a blank yeah with John and Jake and um well I'm I'm again you know probably dating myself but uh you know guy of the 60s and the 70s um probably Well, if you're 60s and 70s, are you thinking like Eagles? Yeah, Eagles is one. Yeah, yeah. Eagles is probably Desperado the, the one. Desperado, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. And uh, I respect that choice. <laughs> Both good, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And um, you know what's funny is I never knew much about the Eagles until that Hell Freezes Over came out. Mm. Oh. 
Mm-hmm. I, I just never got that into him, but my parents never listened to him, so I just didn't have any exposure. This is pre-internet. Yeah. yeah. And then hell freezes, and then you go and you listen to all. I know. Them. I think that came out the year I was born. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then I'm just a, a very big Van Morrison fan. So oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, okay. I think it was great. Poetic Champions Compose. I think that's mm-hmm. okay. Okay. Yeah. Great album. I love Van Morrison too. Yeah. All right. Okay, well, Dennis, okay. thank you so much for being here. Awesome. Appreciate it for coming into the podcast. Do you uh, want a um, quick plug on how they can volunteer if they want? People can volunteer oh, yeah, yeah. if they want. Uh, I'll put I'll put the website in the, okay. the description as well. But Great. where can people find information on Big Brother Speak System? Yeah, so bbbshawaii.org is is our website, and um, at BBBS Hawaii uh, for our uh, Instagram, social yeah, cool. social social media, yeah. All right. And, uh, Phone number for those who <laughs> like to do that, 808-521-3811. Okay. So that's how you get in touch with them. We'll be back next week with the return of Devin and Kyle. I'm out of here. <laughs> Nick, Nick, thank, oh, yeah. I should say thank you, Nick, so much for sitting in. Nick, My you, pleasure. You're Thanks, great. Thanks and, for having uh, me. And uh, it's good to see you. Yeah. We'll see you all next week. Thank you.